With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to The Nonprofit Coach. I'm coming to you live from the nation's capital, uh, where we are having an unusually bright and warm, sunny day here uh, in Washington, D.C. It is Tuesday, November 8th, and as always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. For those of you who may be new listeners here to the Nonprofit Coach, as the announcer mentioned, this is a live call-in show. You can call in to 347-324-3080 and ask questions of our page two expert, uh, who is today one of the senior people at LinkedIn, Meg Garlinghouse. Uh, here on page one, you can also email me at tedhart at tedhart.com, and you can join us over in the chat room for lots of opportunities for you to get your questions answered here from the experts who are with us here on The Nonprofit Coach. It is my pleasure always here on page one uh, to not only bring the news that's available on the web, but also to bring experts uh, to you here on page one, uh, experts who are working on important topics uh, in the nonprofit sector. It is my pleasure uh, to welcome Peter Fissinger from Campbell and Company, who is working on a very important topic uh, related to the administration's proposed tax policy changes and itemized charitable giving. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you very much, Ted. Now, Peter, you've been involved with uh, research that Campbell & Company uh, has been sponsoring with the Center on Philanthropy at Indiana University. Today, in the radio links that are available at tedhart.com, click on radio links. Uh, our listeners can see a copy uh, and download a copy of your report. Can you tell us what's in that report? And then I understand you have an opportunity for our listeners uh, to get into that topic a little bit more with a webinar tomorrow. Yes, well, Essentially, uh, every year Campbell & Company tries to invest in thought leadership in our industry, and we thought that this year, given the fact that there's been so much dialogue around deficits and the economy and the proposal to cap the charitable deduction while also raising tax rates, that we uh, might fund a study at the Center on Philanthropy uh, which would describe the impact of those proposals were they uh, to actually be made law. So the question that you're trying to answer is, will the, uh, the, the options that are on the table for potentially solving some of the budget problems that Washington, uh, D.C. is working on right now, such as tax increases and, and removing some deductions, what would that do? What impact would that have on the charitable sector? That's correct. What did you find in your study? 
Well, the study uh, indicated that when both uh, the charitable deduction is capped at 28% and the highest tax margin goes from 35% to 39.5%, that that would impact philanthropy by almost $2.5 billion, or about 1.3%. Okay. And, and so is it in, in the, the uh, uh, position of the Center on Philanthropy and, and Campbell Company, do you consider that to be a, an onerous uh, uh, target on philanthropy, or is that a, a minimal uh, margin that possibly could be made up in other ways? Well, it's interesting because the study itself caused, calls the impact modest. Uh, however, uh, since then, we've been reading other studies that are, are in the uh, in the literature, and this is the most uh, conservative of the estimates out there. The Brookings Institution has a study, and the Urban Institute Center on Nonprofit has a study, <clears throat> both of which indicate the impact would be higher. The the largest impact is uh, estimated by Urban Institute, which says that the impact could be as high as 56 billion dollars per year. It's interesting, Ted. Um, That's 5.6 out of uh, 300 billion. Yeah, about 292 billion last year. So that's a, a much larger uh, percentage. Uh, and it, it's interesting, once you become involved in studying these things, you really learn quite a bit. And uh, I think that because of where the economy is now and because, frankly, of the limitations of being able to predict the exact impact of changing uh, the charitable deduction as it currently stands, that it's hard to predict for sure uh, what will happen. But what is clear is that uh, these provisions will significantly limit wealthy individuals' ability to channel funds uh, with the help of uh, tax incentive uh, toward nonprofits of their choice, and I think that's a that's a fairly solid conclusion. This is obviously a fascinating topic and one that all nonprofit executives would want to be following. How can they learn more about this and get more details uh, about this report? Well, as a follow-up to the study, uh, Campbell and Company will be hosting a webinar tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock. Central Time, and we will have panelists uh, from the Center on Philanthropy, the Independent Sector, and United Way worldwide. And we'll go into the study in some more detail, and we'll listen to these experts and their views of all of the literature on this topic and what the impact. How, how can I, how can my listeners sign up for that webinar if they're interested in getting even more detail on this? Just go on the Campbell & Company website, campbellcompany.com, and you should be able to click your way through to the webinar. It's probably right on the entry page, and the webinar is free. Terrific. Well, free webinar and uh, uh, expert information uh, is certainly something we want to encourage everyone to consider uh, carving out some time tomorrow uh, for the Campbell & Company webinar. Peter, thank you for coming on the show today and for raising our awareness of the impact of tax changes on charitable giving. Well, thanks for having me, Ted. And if I could say one other thing, that I would really encourage your listeners to be in touch with their uh, representatives in Congress uh, to express their opinion on this important issue as there will be decisions made, we believe, in this calendar year. That's great. Peter, thank you again. This is obviously a very important topic that all nonprofit executives uh, want to be uh, tracking. Uh, back here on page one news, uh, lots more going on today. It's my pleasure uh, to welcome here uh, to uh, the nonprofit coach, uh, another dear friend of the nonprofit coach, Susan McDermott, is here to make a big announcement about next week's uh, AFP Wiley radio show here on the nonprofit coach. Uh, each month, we uh, carve out one uh, week of the month uh, to highlight an important author from the AFP Association of Fundraising Professionals Wiley book series. Welcome here again to the nonprofit coach, Susan McDermott. Hi, Ted. How you doing? Good hey, Susan, here. what do you got for us next week? Well, next week we have a really exciting title uh, called The Future of Nonprofits. And um, as you know, in uh, in the digital in the digital age, the ability to future cast trends is of crucial importance. Um, and staffing workplace systems and tech tools can really make or break a nonprofit success. 
So this book shows readers how to foster workplace innovation, identify and encourage internal entrepreneurship, and radically make over their fundraising methods. Uh, it gives the gives readers uh, the keys they, to the nonprofit they've always wanted. And uh, the the authors of this of this game changing book um, are David Neff and Randall Moss. And I believe Randy's going to be your guest next week um, and help. He's just basically going to talk to you about helping readers revitalize the nonprofit workplace. What a wonderful uh, topic uh, for you to choose to be um, the focus of the AFP Wiley Show next week following uh, uh, Meg Garlinghouse, who is our page two expert this week and is certainly an expert in social media uh, and now is working at LinkedIn. So a great choice. Uh, thank you, Susan, for recruiting Randy Moss uh, to be our guest on The Nonprofit Coach next week. There is a link in uh, this week's radio links directly to the information on nonprofit fundraising innovation and Randy Moss is joining us here next week at 12 noon Eastern on the Nonprofit Coach. Susan, thank you for uh, uh, joining us today here on the Nonprofit Coach and making that great announcement. Uh, my pleasure, Ted, and you guys, your audience is really going to like uh, listening to Randy next week. Take care. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll catch you next month. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care, Ted. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, Susan comes on the show uh, each month and uh, makes the announcement of who the AFP Wiley uh, radio show guest will be. Uh, back here on the uh, uh, radio links that you can follow along at tedhartradio.com uh, or tedhart.com, uh, click on radio links rather, um, I want to draw your attention to the fact that the Association Press, uh, Associated Press has updated their social media guidelines. Uh, so those of you who are engaged in social media, uh, these are some international standards that are being set by the Associated Press. Not to say that you have to follow them, but it's always good to know what best practices are, and we're providing you a link over in the radio links today, uh, tedhart.com. Click on radio links. One of the things that we uh, always want to do here on the Nonprofit Coach is draw attention to uh, innovative fundraising uh, ideas and use of social media. One that you'll find in the radio links today uh, is the Greater Washington Give to the Max Day. There are 11 hours and 48 minutes until the one day, 24 hours of giving, November 9th in Washington, D.C. This is really, really quite innovative. Uh, nonprofits can still register uh, for the one day, uh, drawing attention to giving uh, here at the holiday time. Uh, so check that out over in the radio links. They've got a, uh, a good uh, media toolkit and other information that you can use uh, for learning all about Give to the Max Day. Uh, one of uh, the, the uh, really innovative approaches to the Internet uh, and drawing attention to men's health uh, is a, a, a fundraising program known as Movember, which takes place uh, here in the month of November. And I'm very, very pleased uh, to have the leader uh, here in the United States of Movember, Donnie Killian is here with us uh, to tell us what is Movember uh, and how has social media really changed the face of this program. Good morning, Ted. Thank you for having me. Uh, hey, great to have you here on the, the show. Uh, tell us, first of all, what is Movember? Movember is all about bringing back the mustache, having a good bit of fun, and doing it in the name of a very serious cause, which is men's health. We get men to grow mustaches for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for cancers affecting men, effectively becoming walking, talking billboards for the cause. Well, I, I, uh, I always uh, I have a goatee and uh, enjoy uh, uh, having uh, facial hair, so um, I'm, I'm right with you there. Um, how do guys uh, get involved and how do other people uh, who are not growing mustaches support this movement uh, to raise money and awareness for men's health? Sure. So you, it's... Uh free and easy. You go to Movember.com to register. Uh, we give you all the tools that you need. Men start clean shaven on the first, although it's not too late to join the movement. And then women who are an integral part of our community as well are asked to support the men in the same way that we support women during October and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, that's really terrific. Now, you, you've got uh, some wonderful mobile apps, and we've provided a link in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links directly to the Movember uh, website. So this can be done through social media. This can be done through mobile apps. Um, how how it, has this grown over time? Um, it started as 30 uh, original Mobros in Melbourne, Australia, uh, with a mustache growing contest, and last year we had over 450,000 participants globally 
that raised uh, nearly $81 million for uh, men's health programs. And certainly from a social media standpoint, it's been integral to our campaign uh, because of the grassroots and word-of-mouth focus in nature. And uh, it's important, I think, to communicate in the same way and on the same platforms that your target community already exists. And so our website is fully integrated with Facebook and Twitter, which gives participants an easy way to share their journey um, of Movember through the greater community. Would it have been possible for Movember to to make that uh, uh, that leap from the original Mobros in uh, in Australia to eighty one million dollars being raised without social media? No, I think clearly um, when you have a group of folks growing mustaches um, publicly, that creates awareness and some conversation. But the reach that the internet has been able to provide us certainly cheap and uh, cheap and easy has been incredible. And last year we had. Um, about 17% of the global online population exposed to Movember, which uh, we hope to increase this year. But clearly, our reach and our ability to reach more folks through the web is is integral to our campaign. And w- how is the money spent? $81 million, that's a lot of money. Uh, wh- where does that go, and uh, and what are you trying to do to grow this further? Sure. So each campaign has their own beneficiary partners. In the U.S., we've got three program areas of focus. One is education and awareness, so it's getting guys to talk about their health and not be afraid to go to the doctor if something is ailing them or even if it's not ailing them just as a general uh, health practice. Two is prostate cancer research, and we've partnered with the Prostate Cancer Foundation um, and their effort to help accelerate better outcomes Uh, from a testing and a treatment standpoint, and then survivorship programs. So any man that's diagnosed with any type of cancer in the United States should have free and confidential resources to help them navigate that journey that they're about to go on. And our partner at uh, the Lance Armstrong Foundation, Live Strong, has helped us create that program for men. That's terrific. So th- this really is innovative, and uh, and use of social media has been a, a big part of this uh, growth. Now, this is uh, focused on the month of November. Uh, is there fundraising and outreach that happens outside of Mo- November, or that's really the focus for Movember? No, we really focus on these 30 days, and then the rest of the year is focused on uh, creating and funding world-class programs and bringing those outcomes to the community. That's terrific. Well, Donnie, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here. Um, we certainly encourage all of our listeners, uh, men and women, to get involved with this. Uh, for, for men to uh, uh, start, as you said, it's not too late. Go and sign up and get started uh, growing that mustache. And then uh, uh, all the, the women and, and others who maybe are not, uh, find someone to support, someone to pledge, and become part of this, uh, this really innovative uh, movement, not only to draw attention to men's health, but also to show the power of social media in the charitable sector. Ted, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, Back here on Page One News as we're wrapping up, don't forget that we've got an excellent, absolutely wonderful Page Two uh, expert today on LinkedIn. Meg Garlinghouse will be joining us in just a few moments over on the radio links. I also want to draw your attention uh, to a very special edition of the Nonprofit Coach tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow we will have the Green Show. This is a monthly show uh, that we do that draws attention to practical advice on how nonprofit organizations can go green. This is a partnership with the GreenNonprofits.org organization and Adrian Capps, uh, who is one of the authors in the book Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, will will be here to talk about how you can green your fundraising program. So don't miss that uh, tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, and all the details are, of course, available in the radio links at tedhart.com. That wraps up today for Page One News. Let's get over to Page Two. my pleasure.
pleasure to welcome here to the nonprofit coach uh, a very good friend of mine who has been an innovator and a leader in a nonprofit use of social media for over a decade. Mark Meg Garlinghouse now leads LinkedIn's employment brand, brand and community strategy. In this role, she is responsible for leveraging the LinkedIn platform to connect the knowledge, experience, and passions of over 120 million professionals to the needs of nonprofits and getting involved with nonprofits globally. Meg has nearly 20 years of experience in technology and the philanthropic sector. Prior to LinkedIn, uh, she was almost 10 years at building the very impressive uh, CSR effort at Yahoo and uh, headed up the Yahoo for Good uh, initiative. Uh, welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Meg Garlinghouse. Thank you so much, Ted. Meg, you uh, you have been on the forefront of nonprofit use of social media, as I said, for more than a decade. Um, let's start off with um, how has that decade uh, advanced, and do you feel that nonprofits are, ben are are utilizing social media to its benefit today? There's there's no question. When I think back ten years ago, um, actually a month before I joined Yahoo, or actually a month after I joined Yahoo is when 9/11 happened, and it, that truly was. Um, you know, apart from being obviously a horrible disaster, it was ended up being a watershed event for online philanthropy. For most people, it was the first time they ever met, made an online donation. Um, and you know, through the work of Yahoo and many, many others, I think the whole notion of, of online philanthropy has grown from being something that was um, special and different to being you know, the way in which philanthropy happens in people's lives. And, and in the, that, that time of growth, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, certainly September 11 was, was a tragedy, but it, it really did change the, uh, uh, the face of the online philanthropic marketplace. I, 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 my book, uh, uh, Fundraising on the Internet, um, came out October uh, of 2001, so uh, you and I uh, sort of go back to the same start date. Uh, and before that time, there were a lot of thought leaders in the nonprofit sector who were openly debating whether or not the Internet, and at that point we really didn't have social media, uh, social networking the way it is today, but the Internet itself, whether or not that would be used by nonprofits. And of course, September 11 um, you know, showed that that was not only uh, a great way to connect to causes, uh, but also to connect with people. And I think it really uh, uh, drew a lot more attention to the use of the Internet. Now, you started at Yahoo. Um, what was your role at Yahoo, and, and how did that transition over time? Well, when, when I began at Yahoo, um, our CSR program was a department of one person, myself, and what we focused on was leveraging what Yahoo's largest assets were and still are, and that is our content and audience. So we were focused on connecting consumers to, to causes to inspire them to, to give back. So um, our strategy was, was to be the platform of connections to connect people around advocacy, around volunteer opportunities, and around ways that they can make a difference in their local, national, and global communities. You know, and one, thing, one thing to mention when I think about you know, where we were 10 years ago and where we are now, I mean, we are still, I mean, the future of online philanthropy, there's no question the real opportunities in front of us. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I think, um, I think you just mentioned, or someone, your previous caller mentioned, that philanthropy giving in the U.S., is about $300 billion, and I think as people estimate that somewhere around 15% of that happens online, and then 10% of that, 15%, is, is done through social media. And if, if you are someone who believes that social media is, is the future of um, real philanthropy, some game-changing ideas, like, like the Movembo idea, idea we, story we just heard about, um, I think that the, the, the future of online philanthropy is is, is much, much more exciting and, and what we can expect ahead of us. And, and why do you think that is? I, I, I thank you for drawing attention to uh, Movember. It was uh, wonderful to have Donnie Killian here on the show to draw attention to this one-month focused effort uh, on men's health. Um, why does an effort like that lend itself particularly to social media? Well, I think it's, it's very visual, and it's um, something that – people love to share. I mean, storytelling, I think, is so critical to social media. And the, the story of, the, of Movember, the mustache, is, is a very, very compelling and memorable story. And it's social in itself. I mean, you go to a cocktail party, you see someone with a mustache, and you ask them what's going on. Pictures end up uh, going up on Facebook and Twitter, and people share it. And that's, what, that's really the magic of social, is when people 
become impassioned around the shared cause, and, and there's a platform that makes it e- easily shared. So it, seem, it seems that uh, certainly in, uh, there's a lot of trial and error and certainly a lot of things that are learned over time. But, but from your experience uh, with, uh, with Yahoo, and, and I want to transition into uh, where you're at at LinkedIn and what's happening at LinkedIn right now, what are some of those elements that really help uh, programs stand apart in social media and, and what comes across as rather bland and not of much interest? Well, I I think um, there, there's a truism in philanthropy that the number one reason anyone donates to a, a charity or a cause is because a trusted friend, family member, or professional colleague has asked them to. So I think the um, the social media campaigns that involve liking a Facebook page or doing something that's very passive and that's not connected to a, a person who shares your passion or content are ones that, to me, feel more bland and one-off and not, not sustainable. The ones like the, the Movember campaigns that really um, take advantage of people and their influence and their networks and their passion are the ones that really can scale and create real change. One of the things that we talk a lot about on this show, and, and I certainly uh, push all of our listeners, is to understand that people-to-people fundraising uh, is the, the heart and soul of philanthropy, whether it's online or offline. As you just said, you know, a trusted friend or family member or colleague making an ask uh, is dramatically different than a charity making an ask, even a trusted charity uh, making an ask, and it's because of that, that relationship uh, that's able to be leveraged. In that notion of of people-to-people fundraising, it seems that social media almost uh, has unique capacity uh, to advance charitable causes. Yeah, there's no question, but I think that the story has yet to be told. Um, I mean, even if you look at the causes application on Facebook, um, they they certainly have done – they've been successful in some fundraising, but not to the expectation that I think folks had. So I, I, I do believe that the, the real future opportunity is still ahead of us. And right now I think social media has an extraordinary job of raising awareness, and it's done an okay job in, in raising funds. And I think all of us need to continue to find what the nuance and the insights are and the best practices that we can learn from each other. I mean, the, those numbers that the, 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 the Movember campaign we're just sharing were really impressive, and I was happy to hear about the Charity Water campaign, the tragic story of the – of the girl who was killed in a car accident, and her birthday wish was to raise money for an organization um, in Africa that, that raised money for, for, for water, was also a, re- a great example. But those, but those are sort of yeah, – that's a, a one-off situation. It's a little bit hard to replicate because it was, the, it was a heart-wrenching story. But I still think there's probably elements that could be replicated. I think one of the keys to fundraising online generally is when there's an immediate call to action where someone needs to take action now. The birthday wish is actually one of my favorite examples of that because it's people-to-people fundraising, as you mentioned, and there's immediate call to action because someone's birthday only happens, obviously, once a year. Well, I think that's uh, uh, one of the brilliant um, aspects of something like Movember uh, in that certainly they, you know, that's an interesting concept. It's something you could do 12 months out of the year, but in saying that they only do it in November, that they only do it for, uh, for those uh, 30 days, um, it, it draws attention and, as you said, a call to action in that this isn't going to happen in December. Right. So, so the reason to do it now. So it seems like that's part of the, the element. Um, Meg, as, as you know and as, uh, as my listeners know, um, I talk openly about um, what I consider to be the six pillars of success uh, for nonprofits online. First of all is a well-designed website with a strong email service. The second most important uh, 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 strategy for nonprofits is a GuideStar strategy, which in other shows we've had time to talk more about what a GuideStar strategy is. But the third most important, and this often surprises a lot of people um, in the way that I rank order the six pillars, the third most important strategy is a LinkedIn strategy. Um, and you kind of hit on, you know, certainly Facebook is important, Twitter is important, Google is important, and, and services of that sort. But in terms of impact and the ability to connect with audiences that, um, that potentially can benefit a charitable organization, um, I think that LinkedIn is, is uniquely positioned. But I know that that strategy is really kind of starting right now and that that's part of what you do. So can we transition and tell us um, what is your role at LinkedIn today? 
Um, and terrific, and, and we appreciate uh, you calling out the LinkedIn strategy as being the third most important, so thank you so much. Um, so part of my role at LinkedIn is to build out our LinkedIn for Good strategy. In other words, how we're going to leverage our biggest and most unique assets for social impact. If you think about who and what LinkedIn is relative to the rest of the world, we are the world's largest professional network, and we sit on the world's largest database of information about professionals around the world, about their knowledge, their, their experience, their skills, and now we actually just recently launched the volunteer field. So now we know for the folks who have added it what, what they're passionate about when it comes to causes. This is a field where you can add your volunteer experience, the causes you care about, and the organizations you support. So our, our vision is to create a marketplace where people can use their skills to make a positive impact in the world. We, we actually believe that human capital is the future of philanthropy. And human capital, as, as probably many folks on this call know, um, people who volunteer for an organization are two-thirds more likely to make a donation to that organization. And that donation is ten times the average donation of non-volunteers. So there's like a, 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 it's, it's a, it's a double positive whammy in that the organization is benefiting from someone's skills and it's benefiting from a, that volunteer becoming a real evangelist and lifelong donor to that organization. And the, the social media platform LinkedIn, of course, allows people to then share that kind of work with their professional colleagues, and that's that's really a unique aspect. I I found it interesting that you know with uh, an attempt at at uh, some fanfare, Google Plus uh, makes an announcement um, that uh, charities now can have a page as individuals have in the past, but that's already been the case on on LinkedIn. Can we talk a little bit about sort of the the corporate organization page sure. uh, on? In and, and how that really helps draw volunteers and board members and others together on a platform. Sure, sure. And, and before I move move on to the, to the nonprofit company page, let me just um, highlight one other thing about the volunteer field because I really, really encourage your listeners to add this to their profile. It's good for them as a professional, but it's also really, really important for their organization to encourage their donors, members, volunteers to add this information. Once you do add it to your profile, it gets pushed out virally to all your connections. So you can imagine how influential and impactful it is. Reed Hoffman, who's the co-founder of LinkedIn, supports Kiva. He's on the board, and he's a supporter of Kiva. Well, knowing that piece of information that Reed, who's a well-known, a very well-known person out in Silicon Valley, very, very influential, very, very connected, knowing that he supports Kiva is hugely valuable to Kiva. So likewise, if you can get your supporters, donors, board members to add that they support your organization on their profile page, this can help you build your brand on the LinkedIn network. And then to your question of how organizations can build their presence, we have what we call company pages, which are a way for you to tell your story on the world's largest professional network. The company page recently added a feature which um, is, is really beneficial to, to help you amplify your voice to tell your story. You can actually well, – so what you do is, is a company page, you probably already have a company page created, and if you don't, you have the opportunity to create one at no charge. And as you go about getting followers, which you, you get followers just like you probably got followers to your Facebook and, and page and your Twitter um, following – and once you have those followers, you can message them um, through a uh, network update status. And, you can, and the great thing about messaging them is you can use it up to 500 characters, and you can attach a video. And this is a great way. And actually, you can, we even track real time um, the number of impressions you received and the number of, um, of uh, click-throughs you got in the form of likes or shares or comments. So we can actually show you within 24 hours the impact of whatever you shared out to your network, not just your followers, but when the when the followers see it and they comment on it, it gets pushed out to their followers. So I'm, I'm hoping this and of makes course, sense, but it's really a true great way. Effect of social media, right? I mean, knowing where your message is going and how it's shared. Right, right. It, it, it's it's a measurement tool, which um, you, right now measurement tools are um, sort of at the beginning of their uh, of, of of the stage. Uh, measurement tools are, are still, I think something that especially nonprofits haven't had an opportunity to really get their hands around. So this is a really, really lightweight way to see the impact of a network update that you're sending to your followers on your company page on LinkedIn. 
And the company page um, for charities starts them down the path of, of what I refer to as sort of your digital resume for your organization, that, that if you are going to ask people for money, particularly the sort of people that are on LinkedIn, high net worth individuals, foundation and corporate executives um, who you, you, you know, can come into contact or they may be looking for information about you and your organization, it starts telling the story of are you just a taker or are you a giver when you also are participating in LinkedIn groups, you're answering questions, you're providing content, that all of that tells a story about the kind of organization that you are. That's right. And I think part of that story is knowing who else in your network is associated with your nonprofit. And that's one of the magical things about your company page is it automatically serves up the first and second degree connections that you know at the organization. So, you know, when I go to the American Red Cross page, I see who I'm connected to, who works there, my first, second, and third degree connection. So it's a great way to get a sense of, hmm, that's interesting. You know, Ted Hart's a supporter of X, and I respect Ted, and therefore maybe I should think about getting more involved with that organization. It's also a great way. There's a, a, a products and services tab that um, is a terrific way for you to post information about your nonprofit, including events and volunteer opportunities. Nature Conservancy does a really great job of posting volunteer opportunities on, on, this, on that tab. And, and, again, that becomes viral. Can, someone can recommend that they had a great experience volunteering with Nature Conservancy. And once that gets recommended, that the, the recommendation shows up on that page, and, again, it gets pushed out virally. That, that, is, that is terrific. We're going to take a, a little bit of a, a break, Meg. When we come back, I want to explore a little bit more what you were just talking about in terms of that second and third degree um, separation and, and, and learning, having LinkedIn help you learn who has influence with whom um, and how that relates to major gift fundraising because I think that that is a, uh, an important aspect uh, of uh, LinkedIn's value and why LinkedIn becomes the third most important strategy for nonprofit organizations, and we'll be right back. We want to thank John Wiley and Sons for being a sponsor of today's show. And in uh, their sponsorship, they're promoting uh, one of my new books, Internet Management for Nonprofits, Strategies, Tools, and Trade Secrets. This is part of the AFP Wiley Fund Development Series. Over in the radio links today, you'll find uh, not only the artwork of the cover, but also a link uh, to the Amazon uh, site to be able to purchase this book. And we're very, very pleased uh, that we have the largest discount for this book ever uh, being offered right here at holiday time. Great gift for staff members and volunteers. Uh, and that is 34% off the list price uh, for this important new book uh, with over 20 authors um, who are thought leaders in the nonprofit sector and the use of the Internet for management purposes. Uh, so check it out over in the radio links today. Again, uh, thank you to uh, the good folks over at John Wiley & Sons uh, for sponsoring today's show. about uh, social media um, sites is who can you connect to. And what really sets LinkedIn apart is the kinds of people that are on that site. Not to say that high net worth individuals, foundation, corporate executives are not also present uh, with Twitter and Facebook, but the, the, the congregation of, uh, of these folks on LinkedIn is not met by any other group. That's right. And you know what? It, it is an extraordinary um, network for nonprofits to use to do some research. Um, it, and it, I, I did want to mention we, we do not allow the network to be used for com commercial purposes. In other words, you can't directly fundraise, but it is an extraordinary way to find out information about a potential donor that you're going after, find out if you or anyone in your organization have any connections to that donor. Um, right. And that's really and, the and, essence of people to people fundraising is who knows who. Exactly. And, you know, and so people, utilizing people uh, LinkedIn is a, is a way to do that research and to identify 
who within your network you also can connect with. Um, it's difficult to do that on any other platform, but the unique way that, that LinkedIn is set up uh, to be able to determine who is uh, within uh, the direct link and, as you said, second or third uh, connection away from you, uh, and then provide the tools to then connect with them uh, to see if uh, uh, a contact can be made. That's right. And you, you have the ability to email a first-degree connection um, for free on the network, and you can actually reach a secondary connection through a first-degree connection. In other words, you ask the person who's bridging that connection for you to make an introduction. So that's pretty it, and powerful. That's, that's- a great feature because for a, a seasoned fundraiser, they know that they they would never uh, want to make a direct connection to someone that they don't know. But being able to initiate a contact through someone who is known to you um, is oftentimes very profitable and is a way to gain from the experience of, of those people who have that direct connection. That's right. And it's also just a great way to do, even if, let's say, you have no connections to someone you're trying to reach out to, it's a great way to do background research. There's so much information about an individual, their their work experience, their history, which groups they belong to on LinkedIn. You can really get a sense of who someone is. And if you, if worst case scenario, you end up having to do a cold call, you can certainly you know, play to their ego by, by proving to them that you've done your homework, you know who they are and where they've been through life. Well, and it changes the dialogue when you when you're able to use a platform like LinkedIn to identify people, learn more about where they went to school and who they're associated with, and and as you said, with the the new tools that that are now available through um, LinkedIn for Good, now also be able to see the kinds of charities that they support and the kinds of efforts that that they're involved with. It creates a much stronger picture uh, for you to be able to attract new board members, uh, to attract new donors and supporters for your organization. That's right. And that's a, one, another thing I wanted to mention. Um, I wanted to highlight what we call our advanced search. So if you, if you go to your, your, your LinkedIn homepage, um, there's a search field and there's an advanced search button that I think few people take advantage of because it's an extraordinary way to search on specific facets. So if you're trying to find a skilled volunteer or you're looking for a, a, a new board member and you know the type of skills, experience that you're looking for, you can use all these facets to search on. And then if you find that person and, and see that they're a first-degree connection, you can reach out to them directly. If a second degree, you can reach them through a connection. So what, what's in the future for uh, what, what are your plans? I, I really find that this new announcement for the volunteer tags and, and allowing uh, your, your supporters to link themselves to you through LinkedIn um, really um, just adds to the credibility and the strength of LinkedIn as a serious strategy for nonprofits. Yet studies show um, throughout the industry that when charities are thinking about social media, uh, they often don't think about LinkedIn. Um, why is it that nonprofits tend to miss this, uh, in my mind, obvious, obviously more important strategy? Um, not, again, not to say Facebook and Twitter and those are not important. It's a matter of degree. Yeah, well, you know, we, we're definitely at the, the, the beginning of our strategy to get the word out about all the extraordinary tools that nonprofits can leverage for free on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, that, being on, the, on your show is a terrific way to start spreading the, the word, but we're going to be doing more and more outreach um, in our network and also um, through other channels. You know, we, we, we feel very, very strongly that having nonprofits be, be actively on the LinkedIn network is, is extremely important to our network. There's this a whole notion of, um, of structural holes, which is a reference to clusters of people who aren't connected to each other. That's what a structural hole is. And as, the more that we can bridge those structural holes and make connections between the nonprofit communities and the for-profit communities that historically have been more separated, we think that's valuable to, to the sectors and valuable to the network and valuable to the world. So you'll be seeing us doing more and more in the future to try and get, encourage, and, and show, illustrate to nonprofits the, the value of being on LinkedIn. And what do you, and what do you think the, the value of that? I mean, obviously part of your job is to, to grow that value and to drive more attention to that value. Where do you think the opportunities will be drawn from in the future? Well, I, I think it goes back to the, the huge opportunity around human capital. I mean, we are the world's largest database of human capital, and encouraging nonprofits to reach out for skilled volunteers 
reach out for board members, reach out for talent. I mean, what LinkedIn does is connect talent with opportunity, and we want that talent, the connection between talent and opportunity to be as much part of the social impact nonprofit world as it is part of the for-profit world. We actually, I think um, many of you may know Brian Breckenridge. He works for LinkedIn as a colleague of mine who is now leading the effort to sell our recruiter solutions at a deeply discounted rate to nonprofits so that nonprofits have the same access to the tools the for-profit world has to find and hire the best talents for their organization. And that's that's really a, 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 an untapped resource for, for charities in terms of really understanding um, what kind of information is available and how they can really um, find those great candidates. That's right. And, I mean, that, you know, another vision and aspiration we have is we'd love for the network to be sector agnostic. In other words, when you're looking for the, your next opportunity, I mean, we believe that someone is on LinkedIn to, to find their dream job, to find their calling in life. And we're hopeful that we can – you know, build a, a, a network in a world where people aren't limited by, oh, my dream job is in a nonprofit or my dream job is in a for-profit, but rather I want to use my finance skills to make a positive impact in the world. That could be at Apple. That could be at Habitat for Humanity. But, but it should matter more about the job and the experience and less about what sector it's in. Right. Meg, with, with that tool set that, uh, that that you're developing and really uh, pushing into the nonprofit sector, um, could that potentially also be used to identify that next great board member? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can actually, I mean, you can do that right now in the, on the LinkedIn network. You can use our advanced search tool and, and look for the type of board member that you need to fill an a, a important skill gap in your organization. Yeah, do, I, do you I envision a, a time that uh, on LinkedIn uh, that someone who's on LinkedIn could uh, indicate an interest uh, in serving on a board or getting involved with a charity that then could be matched with that charity? Um, in other words, I might not be able to find them in a search or something of that sort, but could they find me? Right, right. And we um, that is exactly what we are focused on right now, and I'm, I, I can't really give you, give you the details, but that is what one of the angles that we're trying to solve for. So it's not the nonprofits that's just you know blindly searching for that board member, but giving our the members on our network the opportunity to to figuratively raise their hand and say yes, I want to use my skills to change the world as a as a volunteer or as a board member. Right, but but maybe I don't have I don't feel that I have the skill set in the nonprofit sector to know where to point myself. Yes. But maybe through a series of tools, um, I can help identify where I would like to fit. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's a, a very important, and I'm, and I'm pleased that uh, uh, in a non-announcement way, um, we, we've got a little peek into the future of of LinkedIn here on the Nonprofit Coach, because I do think that as powerful as these tools are for nonprofits, and I and I do view part of my uh, my calling and my job here is to draw attention to uh, the power of LinkedIn for uh, charitable organizations on so many different levels, from volunteerism to major gift fundraising to developing what I call um, your nonprofit profits digital resume uh, utilizing uh, LinkedIn that all of those are important tools but to flip that around and to have LinkedIn care about the nonprofit sector to allow you know the 120 million people to then find charities that matter to them yeah that's, that, that's exactly right and then another area I wanted to highlight is um, something that's often overlooked which is the value of the network for for you to gain knowledge and insights. So connections are, are critical for finding jobs and creating relationships, but they're also critical for gaining knowledge and insights. We have a, a product called LinkedIn Today that services all the articles and information that your connections are reading every day. So it's essentially your personal trade magazine. So you can wake up, grab your cup of coffee, log into LinkedIn, and find out what your professional network cares about. And this is the reason why we did this is we're trying to make you a better professional every day. And having access to this information at your fingertips, truly the signal and the noise, we think will make you a better professional knowing the information you need to know to be successful. So uh, share that again. What, what, what is that, uh, uh, that feature and how would our listeners find that? Sure. So it, it's called LinkedIn Today. And if you go to your homepage on LinkedIn – and you click under News on the on the, the nav bar at the top. There's a, a, a tab called News. 
and you scroll down, the, the first link is LinkedIn Today. And what it does, it actually allows you to choose from different sectors of, of information that you want to get, and one of the sectors is nonprofit. Is this is this sort of a uh, uh, a way that uh, LinkedIn kind of merges some of the features of of Twitter in terms of what's trending um, and what's important in your network? Yes, um, thank you for flagging that. In fact, what a great feature of LinkedIn is you can actually bind your Twitter and LinkedIn accounts so that when you're sending updates on LinkedIn, it gets pushed out to your Twitter account and vice versa. You can uncheck a mark so that there's times you feel like something that you want to you share is more appropriate for the Twitter audience than LinkedIn. You, you can segregate that information that way. But this is um, the, the, the access to uh, the Twitter community and the information that folks are sharing is critical to the LinkedIn Today experience. Well, I think I think it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful feature, and and again, it, it's constantly updating itself uh, based on the content that you request, but also your particular network that that you've developed over time. That's right. That's right. That's great, Meg. I want to just take a, a second and share with uh, listeners, as you uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, November is National Philanthropy Day month, uh, and so uh, I will be um, lecturing tomorrow in Baltimore, Maryland, at the Hyatt Regency as part of the National Philanthropy Day celebration uh, in Maryland. Uh, so folks can find me there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. is the Green Show. I always like to let my listeners know where I will be between now and the next show, uh, which is next. Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, on Thursday, I'll be in Boston lecturing at the Inter-City Scholarship Fund. Uh, over the weekend, I'll be um, hosting a board retreat uh, for um, a charitable organization in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, then I'll be in New York on Monday uh, with the Karma411.com board of directors. So that just uh, gives a sense uh, for my listeners where I will be between now and the next show. Um, so that leads me to wonder um, what else is missed on LinkedIn? You've provided us with so many really interesting tools today that are kind of missed, uh, particularly for nonprofits that are trying to figure all this out and, and feeling drawn in so many different directions. Um, part of the six pillars in, in placing LinkedIn in the third spot uh, is to get charities to focus on, on this strategy. How would you rank order the strategy once you're focused on LinkedIn and you're thinking about what am I going to do here? What would you say the most important things are, one, two, three, uh, right. or more uh, on LinkedIn? The first thing I would do is around building your brand and building your brand through our membership. In other words, add the volunteer and causes field immediately to your profile page and then message your board members, your members, your donors, your volunteers to add it as well because that is going to create the magical network effect and, and really strengthen and build your brand. That's where your board members essentially now publicly and through a social network become your endorsers. That's right. That's right. But let's talk a little bit about the power of recommendations on, on LinkedIn, which is a unique feature that you really don't see on other platforms that does set LinkedIn apart. Sure, yeah. You, um, we, we encourage people to recommend their colleagues that they've worked with so that it's not just you expressing you know, why you're an extraordinary colleague, but rather you're getting some endorsements from your professional network. And, you, as, and again, as you can imagine, um, if you know someone who's been made that recommendation, that recommendation even carries more weight. And it does say something about you when, when say, uh, someone who is looking to evaluate your grant proposal or something of that sort, and they use social media, they go to LinkedIn, and they find that you not only have a profile page, but they're able to link on, oh, who are your board of directors, who's on your board of directors, and then to see the kind of recommendations that those people have, it starts creating that picture of substance uh, behind the charity. That's right. And I'm, so I'm, what I'm, I'm on your page, Ted, right now, and Ted has an awful lot of recommendations. And um, the people recommending him are secondary connections from me. So I, I know that I have some connection to them um, that makes that, those recommendations more meaningful. Exactly, because those are people that you trust, and if they're saying something about someone that you're looking to get to know, um, that, that becomes very valuable. So what else should be on sort of that top list of activities in developing a LinkedIn strategy for nonprofits? So the second thing is to invest in your company page. So I would search 
to find out if you already have a company page, which my guess is most of the listeners do. If you don't, create one. And if you don't know how to create one, go to the Learning Center, and which is the tab for the Learning Center is under More on, on the home page. And there's actually, we've created a special nonprofit Learning Center tab, and that will explain to you how to create your company page. And I would spend, it, it is extremely user simple. It would literally take you 10 minutes to fill out the, the information. Um, and then I would start building followers so that you can regularly send your followers information about your nonprofit's activities. And let's uh, let's draw special attention because I, I do think that that is that's really a wonderful resource that you've created. And that link is learn.linkedin.com forward slash nonprofits uh, is the learning center that you folks have created just for nonprofits. That's right. Go ahead. I interrupted you. So yeah, so the second the thing I would, the first as, thing I would do is one of the, the important your... strategies here, and that you can learn how to do that in the learning center. That's that's right. So the first tip I would say is add your the volunteer and causes field to your profile page and encourage your the members of your nonprofit community to also add it. The second thing is to invest in your company page, and and both of these things are really really lightweight things that will take you five minutes to really grow your presence in your community. The third thing I would do is um, take advantage of LinkedIn today, and and start reading and following the information that's being shared and consumed by your trusted professional network. It will make you a smarter employee. It will give you information that you can share with your community. The more you invest in the community on LinkedIn, the more you'll get out of it. So LinkedIn today becomes a, an important research tool uh, for learning more about those people that you, you're looking, that you are linked with, that you are connected with. Yeah, and, and you know, the more that, you know, as you read articles and information and ones that you think are, are particularly relevant to your nonprofit organization or your professional colleagues, when you share those out, that helps you build your own thought leadership and your own personal brand, which ultimately benefits your organization. Meg, we have a, uh, a question, an email question that's come in from uh, Pat uh, in uh, Detroit, and she's asking uh, about creating profiles, and she's asking about um, what is a 100% complete profile? That is a great question. Um, I think we have identified five or six parts of your prof profile that once they're complete, optimizes your success for being found. I mean, ultimately, you know, one of the great magical things about LinkedIn is when you're found by someone, when you're found by a potential new employer, when you're found by a colleague who's trying to connect around a shared piece of information or, or passion. So once your profile is 100% complete, your opportunity to be found is maximized. And some of those things include um, a picture, a recommendation, filling out um, the skills section, your education section. Um, the volunteer field is not part of the 100% complete, but um, we're hoping to get it in there. So what that does is that then positions you to be able to start utilizing LinkedIn in, in a complete way. And having less than a 100% profile um, leaves you out of some of the discussion? That's right. I mean, it just it, it, without a 100% complete profile, um, you're not taking full advantage of all the bells and whistles on the LinkedIn network. So um, taking a look at uh, the time, which is uh, uh, starting to uh, uh, draw near here uh, to the end of the show, which is always amazing how fast the show goes, um, I want to make sure that uh, people understand more about LinkedIn for good, um, what your role is there, and, and how you intend to have LinkedIn benefit charities in the future. Sure. So um, just to recap, my Part of my role at LinkedIn is to identify extraordinary and delightful ways that we can leverage our network to benefit nonprofits and to give our professionals ways to use their skills, knowledge, and experience to change the world. And so we, we will, and we are at the very beginning of um, defining our strategy, and we will have lots more exciting things to announce in the future. And, and hopefully, Ted, you'll invite us back on, onto your show. Absolutely. You're always welcome here uh, on the Nonprofit Coach to talk about um, the all-important LinkedIn strategy as it develops. I want to sort of end uh, my time with you today um, in just that very topic of how social media uh, has grown over time. Because you mentioned earlier that 
even 10 years in, even taking a look at the dramatic changes that we've seen um, uh, from September 11, we've got a, about a minute and a half left here. Can you just give us a, a quick view of, of what you think the future holds for LinkedIn and social media? Well, I think, um, you know, back to something I originally said, I, I, I believe that human capital is the future of philanthropy. And data, the data as part of how human capital is going to drive philanthropy is also going to be really critical. So we, you know, we are fortunate that we have all this information and data on people, their, their skills, their experience, and now their passion, what they care about. And we are hoping to leverage those to bank to create opportunities for people to use what they're uniquely blessed with and put in, the, in this world, use those skills, their experience, and now passions to find opportunities and apply their experience to hopefully impact the world for good. Well, Meg, uh, you're, the folks at uh, LinkedIn have created a great platform. I'm absolutely thrilled that you are there uh, with them to help draw attention to these wonderful tools for the philanthropic sector. We look forward to having you back here on The Nonprofit Coach. That was our guest here today, Meg Garlinghouse. Thanks for joining us here. We'll catch you next week on The Nonprofit Coach. Take care, Meg. Thanks, Ted. Bye. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.